This is Yorkast, hosted by the York Politics Society. Welcome back to your cast. I'm here with Adam and I'm Georgia and today we're going to be talking about the US and kind of what's been going on since Joe Biden won the election in November. Uh, absolutely um, obviously there's an awful lot of stuff that has happened within the last month of American politics. Um, our focus will be obviously on post January 20th but it's almost impossible to ignore, obviously, the massive events that took place on January the 6th as well, and what the impact of that will be upon the current administration's uh, first 100 days. So I suppose probably worth getting started with the response to COVID um, and how that has changed pretty significantly in the last few, well, last couple of weeks as uh, Biden has taken, taken power. There's been a huge ramp up in the response. Uh, the federal mask mandate uh, became part what well, was passed by executive order by Biden uh, pretty much as soon as he came into office, um, meaning that on all federal property a mask had to be, has to be worn. Um, the vaccine program has also been ramped up. I believe it is at 25 million doses from, well, since the program began, so it does include elements under, under President Trump but it is greatly accelerating. Um, but it does show a very sort of different approach to it than, than what has come before. Uh, Definitely, I think. Before he was elect- well, before he was inaugurated, he said that one of his main policies was going to be about COVID, mm. and everyone knew it was going to be a bit of a... It was a bit of an interesting kind of point to see how Biden would kind of overturn everything that Trump did because it's kind of everyone kind of knows that um, Trump's response to COVID was pretty much no response. Mm-hmm. I think. Absolutely. Because America is a bit different in the way that everything that takes place in the country comes under federal and then state law. So the response to COVID can differ from state to state. Absolutely. So think- and what you're starting to see is also some level of, of division over some of the more what you might call not radical but more pressing action that he wants to take there's a 1.9 trillion dollar stimulus bill um that he intends to pass which is finding opposition from from republicans as which is quite interesting because it'd be interesting to see whether whether in within these first hundred days there is immediate cause for compromise and perhaps that could set a precedent for future for his future relationship with with congress and how how he's able to interact with them because whilst the democrats do technically hold all three offices at this point especially in the senate it's a very narrow one and so he's trusting both upon his own senators which includes quite a few quite centrist senators to vote for his, for his policies and for his um, his agenda, yeah. whilst also combating a Republican Party, which seems at least on precedent very adverse to bipartisanship, and or at least to bipartisanship that doesn't se- or severely favour them. I think 
like you said, the stimulus package has been something that's kind of dominated his first 10 days because there was a lot of contention about whether Americans should get a stimulus package before Biden even took the presidency. And then there was a lot of debate when he did get inaugurated as to whether he would actually enact a stimulus package. I think it's $2,000 that every American... That's a proposed, and that was one yeah. that um, came from, technically from the Trump administration. That was something that Trump um, pushed for in his last few days in office, uh, whether that's a des- that was a desperate move to gain public support in the wake of an election loss and perhaps try and cling on to power uh, is debatable, but it was something that he started to, to push for. The stimulus package does seem to be sort of a big point of contention at this point in the administration, which I suppose is to be expected. It is a 1.9 trillion package. It is a very large amount of money, and it is something that you know Republicans aren't as willing to take through. Carrying on from that, obviously, it cannot be ignored what happened on January 6th um, with the storming of the Capitol. Obviously, Biden has made a very big point in his inauguration speech of unity about bringing America together, but not perhaps in the way that previous meanings of the, the term unity would suggest. It's not, his policy doesn't seem to be forgive and forget. It seems to be very much hold these people accountable. And from what, what happened, it's very clear why. Do you want to just give a kind of brief overview of what happened for people, um, in case anyone's not aware? So um, <laughs> on January 6th, the day on which uh, Biden and Harris were supposed to be, well, ended up being um, confirmed as president and vice president, uh, a large group of Trump supporters spurred on by Trump in a speech, although he claims otherwise, um, decided to essentially storm the Capitol. So got inside, raided various officers, essentially took control of the, well, not took control, I would suggest political control, but um, made their way into the Senate and into the House chambers. Um, obviously, this kind of event is pretty unprecedented or at least would have been unprecedented four years ago definitely very much reflective of the very divided america that biden has inherited so one of the biggest challenges that he is going to face is going to be unity and actually trying to heal the divisions that seem almost irreparable as a result of of what happened uh, trump has been impeached for a second time Uh, the only president in history to have been impeached twice his Interestingly, his House's actual impeachment uh, did have a small amount of Republican support. Uh, Now, what will be interesting to see is whether in the Senate trial, any Republicans, um, apart from uh, Romney, who voted against him in the first impeachment trial, uh, will decide to go against him and vote for conviction. Now, obviously, America is, at the moment, exceptionally partisan. But there is the argument to say that the stakes for both convicting Trump in the Senate, considering the fact he isn't president anymore, are perhaps more attractive to certain Republicans. It's quite... I think the importance of getting a conviction, even though he is already out of office, is so that he can't run again. Mm. Because at the minute, um, the way it stands is because he hasn't been... Obviously, he didn't get elected for a second term, so technically he's still eligible to run in the future if he should wish. Obviously, within all the impeachment kind of filings, 
they want to invoke the 25th Amendment, which means that if he gets convicted, he can never run for president again. Yeah, I mean, these are sort of political games that will be played uh, in the Senate. We'll come down to uh, senators, Republican senators, perhaps thinking about their 2024 runs. Yeah. Uh, now, they, the, the thing with the Republican Party at this point is that it's not to say that it was a cult of Trump, but they know that the, the Trump support is very unique in that otherwise they're not, I'm not going to say they're not engaged in, in politics as much, but Trump really is a figurehead for them. And yeah, and whether you like the man or not, he has got a very unique charisma and ability in that sense to not only attract these people, but to mobilise them. Yeah. Now, the calculation, the political calculation that senators will be making in this trial is, do I want to go up against him in 2024 and probably lose, or do I want to vote to convict him then receive the ire of the Trump supporters and then not even get primaried in 2024. Now, it's a very complicated political game that they play, but obviously it will remain to be seen how it it comes and how it goes. Are there any big Republican names who are are supporting the conviction? At the moment, there are only, there aren't that many. There were sort of rumblings at the beginning that senators such as uh, McConnell would be considering a vote against Trump, but that seems to have died down quite a bit since he left office. Uh, the only one that seems, I don't say certain, but like very, very likely is Romney. And that is only because he voted against him last time, and arguably the charges against him this time are a lot worse, and he's a lot more angry about it. And I believe there were reports in from senators who were evacuated of him being really quite angry about what was going on, and really was pinning the blame upon Republican senators for fanning the flames but um, because Romney was one of the Republicans who was in favour for um, continuing the impeachment trial even after Trump left office because I think a few Republicans came out and said that it's unconstitutional to impeach someone after a new president has been inaugurated it's I mean it's going to it does seem to be that it is going to happen yeah. Is happening. How do you um, think Biden feels about having this kind of hang over his first 100 days? Well, the thing is, the, the mistake that Biden could make is the same mistake that um, Ford made in 74, which, I mean, it was a different context uh, because he was Nixon's vice president. But one of the first things that Ford did coming into office was to pardon him. And that really did loom over his two years as president when people think back that is really what defined him now the thing with biden is he is potentially a one-term president he's not young he has said he might potentially run for a second term but it's more up in the air than i think it has been for a long time whether he actually will yeah and his legacy i i can't imagine he wants his legacy to be in, in, in any kind of letting trump go for what he did yes that is true but it will Again, remains to be seen. I mean, it is outside of Biden's control. Um, I don't. I don't think he's getting particularly involved. I think he, he obviously supports the, the trial going ahead, but I don't think he. He's really getting involved. He's not. Yeah, I guess like you've already mentioned, his kind of main focus at the minute is COVID and kind of shifting the American response to COVID. 
he's been late the past few days he's been trying to um ramp up testing across america because there have been reports from americans saying that when they go to try and get a covid test sometimes they have to wait in line for hours and it's you kind of have the at simultaneously in america at the minute you have the vaccine being rolled out and troubles with i think something like 20 million vaccines have gone missing supposedly yes so he's been trying to sort that and then you've got reports of delays in testing and like people not being able to access testing yeah i mean obviously biden comes into the presidency in a i suppose not a really unique situation it's a unique situation but it's not particularly unique in terms of the president coming in and having to immediately deal with a crisis yeah. that was being dealt with with his predecessor. I mean, indeed, when he came in as, as vice president under Obama, Obama had to deal with the fallout of the 2008 financial crisis. Obviously, a very different kind of, of, of um, crisis to a global health crisis, but still something that really sort of has to be the focus. Let's see sort of where he goes once COVID is, for want of a better term, over. I mean, we know that this virus isn't isn't going away, but when it becomes more endemic to our society and becomes, I suppose, just another virus rather than a pandemic, where does he go from there? Now, I mean, it's quite interesting that, for all intents and purposes, he has got some quite progressive plans. I mean, the, the big one, obviously, is, is rejoining the Paris Agreement. Oh, yeah, he did that on, like, uh, the first day of his presidency, didn't he? Um, which uh, is, is sort of starting, I suppose, potentially where he means to go on, which is a lot more focus on on the climate and on actually dealing with it, uh, especially considering his predecessor didn't so much, um, to put it pretty lightly. He's already been signing executive orders to um, regarding the environment, and he's passed executive orders to freeze new oil and gas leases on public lands, and he wants to double offshore wind-produced energy by 2030. And I think he also wants to achieve zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. So I think they are big, ambitious environmental policies. And especially, like you just said, when you come from a president who's kind of spent his four years trying to undo environmental policies, who was supposedly a climate change denier would come out yeah. and say, um, I believe in climate change on Twitter, and then leave that at that. Yeah. It's interesting that it does seem to be very progressive, um, because Biden, I mean, not to say that he he is pretty known for his sort of centrism and his not so much, whereas a lot of what he's doing seems quite reflective of the more progressive wing of the party, which is interesting because it could these four years could sort of be the there's two ways this goes either he keeps to you know this is sort of an early boom in progressivism and it gradually gets more consensus centrist politics as it as his term goes on or this is really sort of the, i suppose once you sort of leading the american public into a more democratic party yeah i agree i guess because american politics is so polarized at the minute it is a question of is he enacting quite progressive politics at the minute to try and reassure the more um extreme left wing of the democrat party that 
he is on their side as well, which kind of falls on from his inauguration speech about unity and about kind of moving forward and uniting America. So is this him showing that he represents every kind of aspect of the Democrat Party and then once he's kind of made all these big policies, he can move onto more centrist policies because he's kind of satisfied everyone? Absolutely, yeah. It is going to be interesting to see. Um, what is interesting also is something that completely uncovered related and completely unprecedented is the GameStop saga that's going on in Wall Street. It's very interesting that Biden seems to have been quite silent about it, quite quiet about it, despite it being very much a sort of public, I say public uprising, it, it's a social media phenomenon, but still reflects yeah. something that to an extent his predecessors of Wall Street and whether we're seeing repeated Occupy, but in a more direct way. I mean, this is... It's definitely um, a more targeted way, I guess. Because whether this will have any concrete impact on, they say they're monitoring the situation, but there's not really been much public expression of, of either support or really... Yeah, I agree. I think, I think I've think seen some senators comment on it. I know AOC is one of them. She was very much in favour of... She was on the side of Reddit. And then I think I saw some Republican senators tweeting out saying that this needs to be regulated, which is quite interesting. I mean, it is obviously something that in many ways came out of nowhere, but it's still seeping resentment from 2008. It's a kind of, it's it's populism, but a very different kind of populism to the kind of right-wing populism we've seen under Trump. I mean, I say that, it's targeted at, I mean, it's targeted at the same group of people, just in a different way. And far less partisan politics, I think, is a term. I mean, it is obviously political. It's exceptionally political, but it does seem to be one that crossed party lines. It does seem to have bipartisan support, which is interesting. Um, but it will remain to be seen the long-term effects. I think there's quite a few commentators who don't really think this is a, a blip. Um, it's just a humorous phenomenon that will go away with time. Do you think it'll go away with time? Because I I think it was this time last week or whenever it kind of first started happening, I saw a lot of momentum for people to start investing in other similar things as GameStop. But then that kind of died down a bit quickly. I think Reddit was actually played a part in that because I did read that apparently whenever new threads would be posted about kind of organising something like this again, Reddit would take them down. Yeah, I mean... I'm somewhat active on the site, not involved in this, <laughs> but unfortunately. But you could um, have been rich. Yeah, I mean, it is something that has really captured the consciousness of social media in a very big way, and yet politically, it doesn't seem to be seems to be something that's being ignored. I think it's kind of like you've already said though about it being bipartisan. So I think a lot of politicians are kind of sitting it out because you even do have democrat politicians who still support wall street and who are still very big supporters of capitalism even though they are big democrats but i think a lot of politicians have kind of seen the reaction to this because it's been everywhere so i think they probably kind of realize that whatever they say is going to be the wrong opinion to someone yeah i mean i think i suppose you can say that with with anything yeah um but it is something where really 
only siding with Wall Street means you are siding with hedge funds. Yeah. Um, it is, this is a very unique situation where it's a very select group of people on one side and basically everyone else on the other side. You've got, I mean, it is, it's an issue that has really united left and right because on the left, they don't like, I, I mean, this is put in a very crude, crude dichotomy, but the left don't like billionaires being able to earn the amount of money that they do. And the right don't like the fact that they would manipulate what should be a free market here in order to benefit themselves. Actually, what you find is, from having talked to a fair few right-wing people about it, is that this is, they completely oppose what Wall Street are doing, because that is completely an antithesis of the free market. The fact that individual traders are actually going in there, earning a large amount of money through simply investing and, and following, essentially following the rules of the system. There's nothing wrong that they've done with it. There's nothing inherently illegal for the moment, but the fact that that's being stopped is is an issue for, for both, but it will remain to be seen, and um, it'd be interesting to see how attitudes towards Wall Street within the Biden administration go from here. Yeah, I agree, because I think Wall Street is something that, especially... For someone like me, who is a politics student but kind of knows nothing about stocks and the market, this was really interesting to watch because it's like as soon as Wall Street kind of get played at their own game a little bit, then it's it's then that they want to see regulations get brought in. And it's very interesting to kind of think, well, how can you regulate this without damaging yourself? Well, I mean... I think the, the sort of bipartisan consensus is from populists on left and right is that it shouldn't be allowed to be regulated in the way that only benefits the billionaires and the hedge funds. It's why you see people like Ted Cruz coming out in support of it. I mean, it is unique in that, like you said, it does seem to be the more establishment politicians that are, I suppose, staying silent on it, whereas the more radicals on both sides are actually coming out and saying yeah we support what reddit's doing we support what's what's going on with gamestop but yeah i mean it's a at the moment it is still a social movement that has gained a lot of traction whether this becomes a sustained movement and something that becomes a an issue for the biden administration as time goes on is up for debate i think it's very clever. I didn't expect to see something like that happen. No. I don't think I, well, no one did. It was, so, yeah, I mean, I suppose that, that sort of links into prediction. I mean, we've already talked about predictions for the future of these four years, but yeah. you're already starting to see sort of, I mean, with with this and with the, the storming of the capital as well, though that's a far more extreme and, and I suppose dangerous variation, but you are beginning to see perhaps a lot more and even back to last year with um, what happened with BLM and, and yeah. that, you are seeing far more direct action being happening within people. You're starting to see a lot more people willing to sort of believing that they can change things, believing that they can take things forward in a more positive way, yeah. uh, whether that be positive for themselves or to 
to others. I mean, I don't think many people outside of Trump supporters think the storming of the Capitol was a positive event. Um, I certainly don't. But it is an example of, of direct action and, and regular people taking, not the, well, for them, the law into their own hands, but taking action for themselves. And whether that could increasingly become a defining feature of his administration. I find it highly ironic that the people who were in favour of storming the Capitol are probably the same people who were opposed to the protests last year. Absolutely. Um, and yet it, it, it all represents citizens rising up and... I mean, this is not to even remotely compare the two events. They are incomparable. Only can only be compared in terms of citizens rising up yeah. against what they perceive to be an unfair and unjust system. In a very two very different contexts, of course, but it was just quite ironic, I guess, with the storming of the Capitol because you had these people who last year had condemned protests and condemned kind of the Black Lives Matter movement, saying it was going on the street and protesting and stuff was like thuggery, and you know you had people looting, and then it turns out that more it was more kind of people breaking into Nancy Pelosi's office and kind of reading her mail and stuff was arguably more an act of thuggery and looting than was seen last year done by the party who was meant to be the you know the party of law and order i mean the other factor to bring in is the fact the nature of the world that we're in at the moment um whether this sort of direct action is coming as a result of people having a a lot more time on their hands b boredom and then see also a resentment at resentment at a lot of people uh, not least you know they sound like a Marxist here but the ruling classes but what they brought upon people with with COVID and what, well not what COVID isn't what they brought upon but the measures that they brought in to deal with COVID and what they put upon people and whether this kind of direct action will continue once COVID becomes endemic and less of a major issue. People start going back to their normal lives. Um, it'd be interesting to, I mean, it's a it's a thought experiment, but could something like game, I mean, I'm going to use a, a colloquial term, but would game stonks have happened <laughs> if people weren't stuck inside, unable to basically do anything? That's very true, I guess. It's this... I think I can't remember if I said something similar on an episode before, but it is kind of like a pressure cooker in the world right now, and especially in America where this stuff is happening, because you've got very partisan politics in a country that's also has really partisan beliefs about the way that COVID should be looked at. It's interesting that you are seeing less of that in this country, um, perhaps because dealing with with this is a less partisan thing. Um, I mean, you've, you've got people on, on the side of that we that we shouldn't be in, in any kind of lockdown, there shouldn't be any measures or restrictions or anything, but in general, in terms of partisan politics, the consensus is very similar. I mean, there's differences between the way that they go about it, but the consensus is similar. Whereas, yeah, in America, you could argue that a lot of the Republican side don't even think it's a, it should be happening like it is and what, what's going on, but once COVID is done, because we can, I suppose, probably safely assume that there will be years of this presidency where COVID is 
the issue that it is now. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but whether it will become more common for people to be taking direct action to, to be really sort of fighting for their own interests. And I guess it's, this kind of direct action has been quite interesting to see as well because it probably has been born out of something completely different. So, for example, like you were saying, you can't compare the Black Lives Matter protests to the storming of the Capitol, but then you wonder if the people who stormed the Capitol kind of saw the Black Lives Matter direct action being taken and have kind of appropriated it to their own agenda. Mm. Not condoning it, but it just seems to be that once people see another group do something, they think, oh, I could do that. Yeah, absolutely. It is going to be a very fractured four years, I think. I think so, I think too. It's, it's naive to think that now that we've got a united government under the Democrats, that there is going to be a sudden real overhaul change to the partisanship of American politics happen. I think... I, I, I think... Biden is going to do his absolute best to try and promote unity and to promote moving on, or not moving on, but yeah, moving on, but not forgetting what happened in the past. I think America in 2024 is still going to be divided. I think it's still going to be very partisan. I think you probably will see Trump himself, a Trump acolyte, whether that be his children or one of the senators. Oh my gosh, yeah. Who supported the, um, essentially trying to overturn the vote, whether that will be, they'll be up against him, or indeed up against Harris, as as it seems to, to potentially be. I mean, that, that in and of itself is, is historical, her position as vice president. I think Kamala Harris is quite difficult to kind of make a prediction on because... She has set so much, she's set in kind of so much history, like being the first woman vice president and woman of colour vice president. But then also she has the sort of past where I think she was a, she used to be a prosecutor, mm-hmm. if I am correct. Yeah, I mean, she, I wouldn't consider her on the progressive side of the party. Yeah, no, um, me neither. I think she is, she's sort of the middle between the centrist Democrats and the progressives. I think she was quite a smart choice from Biden. Yeah, I mean, he is, despite his current agenda, I think I would still consider him to be a a, um, a centrist Democrat. But with her, I think she could potentially become a sort of transition candidate. Yeah. Um, Perhaps a long-term democratic project could be to sort of move the party towards that progressive wing gradually and sort of bring more on side for that because obviously it's an exceptional I agree and I think there are definitely calls for for it from some factions of the Democratic Party but Mm -hmm. I think the difficulty for Biden and Harris will be kind of finding the balance between engaging the more left wing side of the party who are arguably the more kind of vocal side at the minute when it comes to things like social media or people who are actually more likely to take direct action but then also keeping 
the kind of core democratic party members happy because i think it is true what people say there always is a silent majority so whereas you think that the party could be moving more left-wing there are always going to be those kind of silent centrists who could easily be swayed to republican as well if they are unhappy with the way biden and harris run the country yeah and i mean it's interesting that the republicans don't seem to be willing to let go of what is essentially a far-right ideology under trump so there is i suppose the other argument to say that even if the democrats go more progressive you're still not going to get sort of moderates going toward trump as such especially considering that his or the trumpism i should say whether they will go towards because i think i mean our perspective on progressivism i think it will be interesting to see because what we consider to be progressive in america is more what we would think of as center here i think it's fair to say or at least a lot of what they're progressive agenda is stuff that we either already have or is stuff that's sort of yeah endemic to us not really what we think of as really progressive no i agree i think whenever you do hear about kind of progressive politics in america it always does seem to be a step behind the uk but i think that is because i know we are we are a very capitalist country but i think they are even more so so everything they do is still kind of yeah a step behind yeah i mean i think so i think that sort of point where we'll we'll conclude i mean there's obviously so much to talk about with with biden um um, i think we've covered a few of the things we've covered quite a lot of the domestic policy there's obviously a lot to talk about with the foreign policy as well and of course the future but i don't know what your verdict is on the uh first well two weeks three weeks of his administration but it's been absolutely crazy, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, when very... you put all of these things together, so you've got, like, the storming of the Capitol and GameStop, which are two absolutely crazy historical events, and then when you put them in the context of coronavirus, it actually is just crazy. If you could kind of tell someone this time last year what this time this year would be like, I don't think anyone would believe you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, obviously, my hope is that his pleas for unity do happen um, yeah. realistic prospects of that are dependent um, I hope his response to COVID works and that the US is I, I'm hoping it becomes a, a world leader in the response but um, it will um, be interesting to see yeah, if they can turn it around if they can turn it around at I, this point because I have seen a lot of yeah. debate across the states as well so you've got states who have like been put in stay-at-home orders in place but then you've got states that are opening back up i think i saw i think it was florida that's allowing dine out eating at the minute so you've and someone took a video of them of walking down a street that was like full of restaurants and every outside table was booked at every single restaurant yeah so you've got a real kind of divided approach at the minute i think this presidency is going to be one that can be revisited many times because i think one thing i've we've learned over the past year probably since well since before that but especially since covid started is that stuff can change really quickly and really unexpectedly so yeah thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you you on the next one